Welcome to the Artemis Inn. The last few years, I've taken an annual backpacking trip through Yosemite National Park, and this year is no different. I will be heading out to the backcountry in a few weeks, and as I'm going through the process of preparing and gathering all my things together, I'm reminded of an experience that I had last year, and it was so profound and so strange and so otherworldly that I wrote it down and I had made a note, uh, put it in my drafts on my substack, and had intended to write about it, but just never got around. But now that I'm close to leaving once again for the park, it feels timely to recount this experience that really left a mark on me. We were hiking the Grand Canyon of Tuolumne, which I can't quite remember at this point, but I think it was around 35 to 40 miles or so total. And the first day you descend into the canyon, and it was way, way harder (laughs) than um, I was prepared for. And I had slept very poorly the night before. It was too cold, and I spent a lot of the, the night just sort of shivering. And so I I began the trip not really in a great place. And I also overpacked. Um, (laughs) If you know anything about backpacking, um, these kind of small mistakes or mishaps can really lead to a kind of domino effect of things going wrong. And so we, we began our trip. We hiked down super steep into the canyon and the weight of my bag was so much and I was really tired that uh, by a few hours in, I had somehow managed to give myself like a minor injury and it left me in a place definitely where I was feeling pretty vulnerable, um, worried if I should turn around, um, worried if I could complete the trip. And we reached camp the first night and it was okay. And I woke up the second day, still had this tightness feeling of the injury in my leg, but I thought it would be all right to keep going. So, you know, a little bit of the backdrop there is, you know, backpacking is always pretty difficult, of course, unless you choose an easy route. But this one had challenged me from the get-go. And I began day two um, with uncertainty of how the next couple of days would go, but determined to push through it. And by the second evening, we arrived at our next campsite, which was this really beautiful um, kind of open area next to the river. And there were trees all around, but the area that we were camping had this really lovely clearing. So we set up and go to bed completely exhausted. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I get out of the tent half asleep and I am just struck by the haunting, ghostly beauty of what surrounds me. Um, It was near the full moon and I had woken up at such a time that the moon was out and it just lit up the the surrounding area, the trees, the rocks, the water with this bright, luminescent white light. 
and it felt like I was transported to a dream world. Um, granted, I was I was half asleep. You know, if you ever wake up in the middle of the night, um, there's that kind of in between state that you're in. So I certainly was still in this half dreaming state, and yet my surroundings, for the first time in my life. I experienced this sense of also like my environment being this dream world state. And it it had this quality of of like I am in the unconscious. I have been dragged down into the underworld where the daylight energy, the daylight colors, all all of what makes us feel like we're in the upper world was gone. You know, I couldn't see the blue of the water. I couldn't see the green trees. Everything, uh, it's like the saturation was completely removed from the surroundings. Everything was this black and white and gray and this dance of shadows. And afterwards, you know, when I woke up the next morning and was <laughs> thinking about what happened last night, there there was a sense of a feeling like I had been transported very viscerally into the moon state into the moon card of the tarot or into the 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 lightning of the albedo state in alchemy where from total pitch black darkness the light begins to return and not the kind of light of the sun not high noon not even the setting sun. Um, eventually the albedo takes us to the dawning light, the transition point from nighttime into the day. But it's also, to me, it's the light of the moon and it is the the way that the shadows begin to become illuminated. And it is haunting and beautiful and scary and strange and I don't know how to to replicate something like this ever again because I, I think I could go out in the middle of the night and do like a, a nighttime hike, which I've done many of, and kind of get a bit of that feeling of what was happening. But there was that altered state of consciousness that was probably one of the more driving parts of it feeling so profound was that my standard ego orientation uh, wasn't properly engaged and I was partway conscious, conscious enough, of course, to take in my surroundings and to find it so intense and strange and beautiful, but also enough of ego was dampened or asleep for this feeling of, of being still in the dream world to be present with me. And it reminded me so much of, of what is um, caught in the thematic pattern of the moon arcanum in the tarot. Because for me, the moon card is this illumination in the night. It is a shadow space, but the kind of shadow space where we are exploring the unconscious or we are beginning to notice the distortions, the illusions, the projections, the way that things light up, but still have this essence of, 
of the darkness of the inner world. Things are not quite what they seem. There's hidden truth um, that we haven't figured it all out. You know, we haven't stand, we haven't um, gotten to the point where we can stand in the full light of the sun card, right? So the, that moon card, when it comes up for me, and this is a card, the moon card, is one of the first sort of repeating follower cards that I got when I first started reading tarot years and years and years ago. So it's a, it's a really powerful card for me. And when it comes up, there's these different pathways that we can follow. We can kind of get into how things are being distorted. And so you can think about uh, a kind of helpful image to conjure up is when we walk around at nighttime, things that are seemingly normal in the day, like looking at a tree, become um, shifted in the way that we perceive it because there is a kind of half light that we're dealing with in the moon card or when we're walking around at night and without like a light or without street lights, without a flashlight or anything like that. If we are just being guided by the light of the moon, there are emphasis in certain shapes, you know, so the branches of the trees start to look like, you know, scary hands or Maybe there's a sense of something creepy in the dark, but we can't see it fully. We start to project into the darkness all of these potentials. And that's actually quite insightful when we can come into contact with our shadow space, which the moon does in, in my eyes, then we can get into deeper unconscious truths that lie underneath the surface so when the moon card comes up we're not only dealing with this sense of things are not quite as they seem we should dig a little bit deeper are we projecting onto the situation um are we fooling ourselves with illusions but there's also these stirrings of the unconscious that can lead us to greater insight that can tap us into the imaginal uh, powers that kind of become conjured up from that wellspring of the unconscious. And if we can come into relationship with that and not fear what comes up, uh, if we can truly gaze at it and interact with it, that's where these really interesting developments come up. So I see the moon card as this really powerful shadow work card or as this interaction with the unconscious that is very visceral. It's it's a lunar experience. And if we try to approach it with day world consciousness, we will be very frustrated and maybe even um, fearful. But if we can walk around and gaze at the, the surroundings around us in this kind of illuminated darkness... And then we begin to see these shapes and patterns of our own unconscious. Now, as I follow my own archetypal instincts and I'm kind of dancing around in the moon card and thinking about how it associates to this situation, naturally I started to connect to the alchemical stage called albedo, the whitening. And this is essentially where the impurities that were exposed during the negredo stage, the darkness stage, the, the, the blackness, where there begins to be a washing away or a process of purification, of cleansing, of renewal. It's often associated with this 
repeated sense of washing the material um, over and over again, which continues to clear out that that blackened stage that came beforehand. But the albedo also connects to the metal silver, which has a correspondence to the moon. And so we see a lot of these lunar associations with the albedo stage and that it's not just, as I mentioned before, that the albedo is the dawning of the day, which is a really helpful image to anchor into, but I think also to consider the albedo as from the moonrise. So both the moonrise, which brings this first layer of light um, to the to the the kind of pure undifferentiated darkness of the Negredo stage, and then we have the dawning of the sun, which begins also. Um, some aspects of the albedo and then takes us into further stages of alchemy and we can think about the albedo stage as that same awakening of the imagination or that after the you know being entangled with this shadowy blackness that there is relief that comes from that heavy leaden state that we experienced in the negredo and that we are beginning to adapt to darkness and not only is our night vision coming online but also the the moon gives us this luminescence for us to be able to interact with our surrounding where before we were kind of blinded in that darkness of the negredo and that that was what that experience felt like for me, um, especially after going what, through what I would consider a very, very difficult uh, 24 plus hours of injury and uncertainty and carrying a very heavy pack. It's, it's all very symbolic <laughs> if you want to take it that way. Like I am, I am weighed down. I'm in the leaden state. I am uncertain that I can continue. And when I woke up that, that following morning on, so now on the third day, there was this feeling that something had shifted and, you know, it's hard to say for sure it did. Experiencing this moon lit haunting beauty, uh, help me in some way did it shift something psychologically maybe but it it was profound enough for me to still think about it a year later and want to write about it or want to share about it and I think that's what that shifting of the stages from being in a hopeless state to beginning to see in the darkness that is I, I think what interests me a lot about that that uh, movement between the Negredo to the Albedo is not only are we beginning to see again, there is this feeling, I think, of of hope or of, of being able to interact with material that maybe was so nebulous before, you know, that we couldn't even get a grip on it. And it's still difficult it's still going to require these multiple repeated washings or uh, purification process right like we're not done integrating this material we're not done stripping it of all of these hang-ups that it might have but it it makes us feel that a, a step has been taken a development 
And what I love about that development is that the interaction with the unconscious material brings with it this deeper literacy in the unconscious language, you might say. So dreams, symbols, metaphor, image, uh, active imagination, our ability to interact with that space is refined a bit by going into the darkness, by going into the depths, by being receptive to what is happening within the unconscious space. It no longer just feels like the scary dragon in the cave. Now we've interacted and we know what we can do with it. Um, to continue this train of thought with the albedo and the moon and the haunting beauty, I want to share a few quotes, um, three of them, from Jung, from Hillman, and from Robert Bosnack. All of these quotes are on the alchemical stage of the albedo, and the first comes from Jung in Mysterium Conjunctionis. The situation is now gradually illuminated, as is a dark night by the rising moon. The illumination comes to a certain extent from the unconscious, since it is mainly dreams that put us on the track of enlightenment. This dawning light corresponds to the albedo, the moonlight which, in the opinion of some alchemists, heralds the rising sun. This is a, a wonderful distillation of the albedo stage, that gradual illumination from the dark night um, that connects back to what I was talking about with the, the light that we are dealing with in the stage uh, is not just the dawning light. It's not just actually coming from the sun itself, but it's from that silver condition. It's from the moon. It is, it is from this, this, this kind of dynamic, soft, reflective light that we get only from the moon itself. And the type of light that we get from the sun helpful, useful, necessary in the alchemical process, of course. But that first moonrise, that first illumination from the moonrise, I think is where we get um, what Jung was talking about, the illumination that comes to a certain extent from the unconscious, because it comes mainly from dreams. When we look towards the signs or the movements of the unconscious and it's not just dreams, but dreams are such a, a pure source for us to tap into that. But we could look also towards images and figures in active imagination or by the subtle symptoms that have been coming up from um, messages in the body. You know, these are all um, additional ways that we can tap into unconscious material, but dreams especially um, which I connect to the moon card, like the aliveness of dreams and the imagery and the strangeness that rises up, especially when you look at that, the Rider-Waite-Smith card of the moon, we see this strange crustacean um, rising from the surface of the, of the water. And that is, that's the strange dream image that, you know, comes just high enough onto that border of consciousness for us to grab onto. And if we fear it, if we look at this creepy monster and just want to run away from it or push it away, we will not get that enlightenment that integration that can come from the unconscious. We have to allow ourselves to walk in the lunar space to be illuminated from the moon and things 
then are going to be a little weird. They're going to be scary. They're going to feel strange. That's the nature of the the moon experience. It's not going to give you that same certainty that we get with the sun. But if we can allow ourselves to walk in this illumination of the moon, we are on that path, the alchemical path of the opus to integrate, to profoundly transform. The second quote comes from James Hillman, and this is from his edition called Alchemical Psychology. The alchemical albedo is hardly a shadowless innocence. Though the sigh of despair may turn to a sigh of relief, the blue stain remains. There is now more psychic space to carry the shadow's full, mysterious structure, a higher sky and deeper sea. The soul whitens as the shadow comes out of the repressed and is aired in life. This quote has a nice job also of helping us see that although there is these associations with this stage of being about the whitening or the whiteness or the purification or the cleansing and the constant washing, which could easily get us too identified with that purity, that this is not a shadowless innocent. This is not a, a time for us to, to become too caught up in what the whitening represents in contrast to the blackening or to the negredo. Rather, we should see them as in a dance together and that they are each bringing a kind of a necessary balance that the shadows or the darkness, or as he says, the sigh of despair that was associated in that darkened state, yes, maybe that becomes a sigh of relief. There is this feeling of a little bit of that pressure being let go. But at the same time, what we're able to do now is carry or hold the nuances of our shadow or of our unconscious material in a more profound way, in a more structured way, in a more grounded way. We are not repressing what has come up anymore, we actually have the ability to see it with new light. And so that is what that moon stage is doing. That's what that alchemical albedo stage is allowing us to do. We don't just leave the darkness behind and suddenly stand in bright white light. No, there is darkness still, but it is an illuminated darkness. The last quote is from Robert Bosnack in A Little Course on Dreams. The white world is called albedo. Its metal is silver. The heavenly body of the dark night is the moon. The albedo is a moon consciousness. Light cast in the darkness, the cool reflecting light of the eye of night. It is not a sharply circumscribed world with clear forms, but a consciousness of imagination and adaptation to darkness. Mercury, god of thieves in the night, he who accompanies souls to the underworld is at home here like a night wind by a full moon. He later says, Reflecting in a dawning consciousness of fluttering night moths, here everything that had been taken literally now becomes metaphor. 
It is a world of poets, thieves, lunatics, and figurative language, an intermediate realm between bright, clear daylight and pitch-black night, the mediumistic world where one thing can also be another. So Bosnak, he is highlighting the mercurial nature of the albedo and certainly the mercurial nature of moon consciousness, both in the moon card itself and in the states of lunar consciousness that we tap into or that we refine when we allow ourselves to be in this area so that a dream image can be uh, a flower one moment and a car the next, right? Or, you know, we're in the same night dreaming of being on a ship on a grand adventure and maybe in the next dream we are fearing something uh, haunting us or chasing us down. So things are constantly, constantly shape-shifting. And the ability for us to stay with that and to allow it to be that intermediate space between our bright, clear daylight consciousness that wants things to make sense, that wants things to be straightforward, has to be balanced out with the nature of the of the of the image world of the unconscious world that shifts and moves around and was is without shape or takes shape and then dissolves its shape and then takes new shape and this kind of light cast in the darkness is a new type of consciousness it is a helpful adaptation for our ego which i think can easily become identified with the daylight world, with the archetype of the sun, with the heroic attitude, and instead really allow us to be initiated into the darkness, initiated into the mysteries that lie only within the moon goddess's um, space. And this experience for me in some ways, it's I can't even remember it fully. I think it's it, it, it's that nature of it feeling like a dream, entering the expansive landscape, seeing it lit up by the moon, um, having this sense of fear and awe and beauty and uncertainty. I just had to let go and not try to think too much about it, not try to drag my ego even more front and center to to make sense or to counter what I was seeing and and that's what I think is tough when we're standing on that threshold between our usual consciousness and kind of opening those doors into the unconscious space is it's so easy to deny what we see to want to you know, label it as, oh, we're just making this up. It's not real. I didn't really conjure this image, um, you know, from the unconscious. I, I'm i just making all of these things up and, and therefore it's meaningless. Um, to, to develop this literacy, to develop this comfort in this space is to be okay with the shape-shifting nature of the unconscious, of the imagination, to kind of hold a steady hand in some regards of what is maybe real or, or how we're anchored in daylight consciousness and, and what we define 
as these steady, clear forms in our life. And then at the same time, being mercurial and allowing those structure, structures to dissolve away and to shift into something else. So being like Mercury, being the god of thieves in the night, accompanying ourselves into the underworld, we can experience this by interacting with our dream material in profound ways or by doing active imaginations um, or maybe having a profound experience like being up in the middle of the night on a full moon and being half asleep. I don't know. It's it's incredible what a, a, a unplanned experience like that can have because it viscerally puts you into this archetypal reality. That's kind of how it feels. And I don't have to create the environment for that to happen. Unlike when I'm doing dream work or active imagination or trying to work with tarot where I'm sort of standing at that threshold and knocking on the door and saying, can I look inside? Or when I'm dreaming and all of that material comes unbidden and I don't have enough lucidity to be able to interact with it, something like this experience I had in Yosemite, I think you it it's so markedly profound because it was both me in my uh, my my awakened alive state, and yet at the same time, it could easily feel as if I was dreaming. And I'm not sure what else could really replicate that. Maybe being in a kind of trance state or or some other. Um, activity that shifts your uh, consciousness, you know, those altered states. And that's what this was. It was an altered state. And that allowed me to enter into the moon's realm to dance with the themes in the albedo. And I am really grateful for that experience and certainly not expecting that anything as intense or profound will happen on this trip but just the memory carrying the memory with me and being able to reflect on it to journal on it um, just has given me a platform to go deeper into my own inner work and my own inner journey thanks for listening see you next time <laughs>